Hey everyone, this is Rav Natan over here, trying my best to bring peace and passion to our relationships. Uh, last night I did not have the best night of my life. Uh, I was a little bit sick, woke up shivering and shaking and sweating. And I'm not telling you this in order to feel sorry for myself. I'm telling you this because it brought back something in our marriage that we've had to grow on. And what I mean is like this, how do you care for or not care for your spouse when they are sick? One might think that's a really simple uh, and easy question to answer. Well, they're my spouse and therefore I look after them and whatever they need, I'll do for them. But then let me challenge you, how long are you willing to look after them? Uh, what are you willing to do? Are you, uh, pardon me saying, so are you cleaning up their vomit or is this places that you're not willing to go when your spouse is not feeling well. Now, obviously, I'm not, God forbid, speaking about a uh, huge illness or, or, or long-winded uh, illness that, God forbid, uh, someone needs to deal with. I'm talking about, you know, the flu, the cold, you know, that thing called man flu, <laughs> where, you know, where does the concept come from? If a woman had the same flu, she'd be up and going and moving, and uh, us men kind of crumble put it that way, to, to say it lightly, we crumble under the little sniffle or snuffle that we have. But anyway, uh, this is something that we've had to deal with in our lives. Uh, and I know many other people have. When your spouse is not feeling well, how good are you at looking after them? What are the boundaries? In other words, uh, is, is bringing them a, a, a nice cold cup of uh, water or a tea or something, you know, your function, or is taking their anal thermometer your function? What are the boundaries that you're willing to to step over in order to care for your spouse? I remember uh, there's someone in, in our family who when they got married, they were told by their mother, uh, this person married into our family, they were told by their mother, listen, never ever complain about anything to your um to your spouse, to your new husband. Number one, because his mother was a hypochondriac. And number two, she's a Holocaust survivor. So, you know, a little sniffle or a, a, the flu or a cold or a, whatever it is, is nothing in this family. And so if you would complain to your spouse, that would just be totally unfair. So for years, this woman never, ever let her husband know when she wasn't feeling well because she felt bad to share that with her husband. Do you have things from your past that you bring in uh, to your relationship when we're talking about illness or not feeling well? Were you told, I know, listen, I was brought up uh, in a household that my mother is a very tough woman. She's, she is an amazing woman. And, you know, a bit of vomit here and there, you know, <laughs> part of me being so crass today. But I used to literally throw up and she'd say, all right, great. Now I'm sure you feel better. Let's go to school. I, I literally remember one day coming home from school, calling her because I was feeling sick. And that was a day that I made up that I was feeling sick because I felt so sorry for myself that every other kid at school was able to go home when they had any issue, their sore toe, you know, they had a left sore toe. So their mother or father came and picked them up. So this isn't bashing my mother. The point is I brought that into our relationship, this feeling of like, why would a woman in my life feel sick? Why would she feel needy? 
And my wife is very different, very similar, but very different in many ways to my mother. So I wasn't able to transfer onto Meg, onto my wife. Well, how can a woman feel sick just because my mother never allowed that to, to affect her or very minimum, minimally allowed that to affect her? Uh, I know other people that as soon as, uh, as soon as there's some type of illness or uh, not feeling well, all of a sudden that's blown out of proportion and therefore, well, I don't even want to start caring for you because you're going to buy into the fact that I'm going to be here to blow your nose and to do everything for you and you're going to take advantage of that even beyond when you really need me. So the truth is in illness and in sickness, there are so many different, um, what's the word, different dynamics that we bring into our relationship from our past, from our childhood, from our parents, from our grandparents. And I believe that the most important thing is to communicate around that. Hey, sweetie, I know you're not feeling well, but I know, you know, the way that I grew up was there's no nonsense over here. You've got to get over it. So I might find it a bit difficult to care for you. Please forgive me for that. Or whatever other uh, whatever other discussion there needs to be, sweetie, I'm feeling really unwell and I know that's hard for you to hear, but don't worry, I don't need you, it's fine, I'm really used to caring for myself, right? I know people who just don't want other people to care for them when they're sick, they'd rather just feel sorry for themselves, deal with it for themselves and get up and get going. But the most important thing, like always, within relationships is communication. Search to the root of the issue. Why am I acting that way? My, why am I being defensive about being sick? Why am I, why am I making this, this sickness or, or, or this little flu or cough or whatever as long and as difficult as possible? Where's that all coming from? And be honest with your spouse about it. Anyway, so that's just a little bit of a uh, some ideas that have been coming up for me uh, after last night. Thank you to my amazing, wonderful wife for looking after me uh, always and in the way that I need and at the same time giving me a kick up the bum when I need to get on with my life and not feel sorry for myself. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day. Hey everyone, this is Rav Natan over here. I hope you have had a wonderful, wonderful week. I had a few ups and downs, but that's okay. One thing that happened to me this week that I'm uh, so grateful for in so many ways is I got to see young lust and young heartbreak, all in the same day, in fact. I had an, a very, very interesting session with a young couple who have been dating uh, for quite a few months and certain changes are happening in their life and they're actually growing apart. Even though they've only been going out for a few months, something's happening, something very specific obviously that I can't share, that something is happening for them that they're actually growing apart. And it was slightly sad but empowering to see not empowering for me, empowering for them, and I'll explain that in a second, to see this difference in their life actually growing them apart. And they, they were very sad, they were very upset, they were heartbroken. But I said to them, let's look at this in a different reality. 
you're actually in a very, very good place. What, what do you mean? I'm in a good place. I'm like bawling my eyes out and I don't know if, if the, the, the guy or girl that I think that I loved is, is going to be the guy or girl that I love for the rest of my life. I'm in a heartbroken place. How can you say I'm in a good place? I said, you're in a good place for two reasons. Because number one, if this works, if you manage to work these differences out, then you have already started your relationship on the most incredible level of communication. A level of communication that I don't often see between people who have been married 15, 20 years. You guys are talking so openly, so beautifully, even not talking through me, but without me having to say anything, turning to each other within the session and looking in each other's eyes and saying this is the way you make me feel when I take responsibility for this I feel that this is what your actions are doing to me like amazing positive healthy communication so if this works you guys are set you guys are already knowing how to communicate in an amazing way if it doesn't work well then you're in an amazing place because you're being so honest with yourselves and with each other that you're not fooling yourself to go down some page of history that you want to create and be together despite all of these differences, despite the arguments, despite all of these, uh, uh, these hurts that it's already creating, you're able to choose now, well, maybe this isn't my life partner. So you're actually in a good space. And in the same day, so what, what do I think? Well, obviously, I didn't give them advice. I just acted as a mirror for them. And I wanted them to be able to see, or they wanted to be able to see, but I was privileged to help them see what they were actually saying themselves rather than hiding behind their words and saying X, Y, Z. But what I really mean is, or, you know, well, do you really mean that? So prove that to yourself. What, what, what do you really mean? Are your words mirroring your real feelings or are you covering something up? Anyway, it was a very, very powerful session, at least for me as a facilitator, to see them uh, by the end be able to see the truth no matter how hurtful that was or scary for them that they may not actually decide to spend the rest of their life together. And then in the same day, I got to sit with a great guy. These people are also great people, but with a great guy who's please go getting married just in a few weeks and seeing the absolute uh, love that he, he feels is love, lust, passion, uh, yearning to understand, knowing and, and identifying some major differences within them as individuals but having the skill set to be able to work that through both as individuals and as a couple he blew me away with his he's a very mature guy but with his maturity it's like he'd been married for 40 years you know describing to me his understanding of that there's two separate people who remain separate people and at the same time there's a oneness within them so there's like three parts to them and sometimes they don't actually work together, but they need to in order to grow each other or grow each other as a couple. 
and, and that's a maturity that I, I struggle to see in many, many people. Because, you know, we quote in Bereshit, in Genesis, Viyula Basar Echad, they should be as one flesh. So everyone takes that as, you know, that means he or she has to agree with everything that I say, everything that I do. In fact, we become one person and we're not individuals, but no, there, there needs to be a balance. You cannot, you cannot become one person if you are not individuals. If you are one person, then you don't get to make the choice, which is what God wants from us, to make a choice to be one. We need to allow ourselves to be individuals, to have our own individual loves and hates and yearnings and wants and, and, and desires and goals. That doesn't work against the fact that we are also one flesh, one heart, one soul. So anyway, I want to share that with you. Incredible to see the difference in people, how life experience, uh, maybe maturity uh, has has allowed certain people to see things that other people can't see. The beautiful honesty that both young couples had with themselves and with each other. An honesty that, unfortunately, many couples who have been married for a long time don't want to have because it's too hurtful, it's too dangerous to see that truth. Because what does that mean about our relationship? So I'm going to strongly urge you to find a peaceful, uh, a safe environment to share your reality, your truth with your spouse, no matter how long you've kept it from them, no matter how minor or major that truth is that you haven't been sharing with them. Be inspired by these two young couples to share your reality, your heart, no matter how hurtful that may be, we can always find ways to uh, to help that that statement or that feeling not hurt another person too much. Or maybe we shouldn't be so scared of hurt. Maybe hurt is something that grows us as people. We can take that same hurt and let it crush us, or we can take that hurt and let it grow us. When we go to the gym and we we, we strain our muscles, right? We work our muscles, they're sore. What we're actually doing is tearing our muscle so that it rebuilds in a stronger way. So truth is always the best path. A young love, a young passion is always the best way. We, we get involved in, uh, in, in the, the logistics of life the flat line of life, the living with a, uh, a dorm partner rather than living with passion, even if that passion means a difficult truth. God bless you all. Shabbat Shalom. Hey everyone, it is Rav Natan over here. How are you doing? I hope you are well. I was a little bit exhausted this morning after a very early session, but now I'm feeling fired up to share a very deep concept that I've been struggling with ever since this session I had this morning. Now, I was speaking to a young gentleman uh, and we got onto a discussion about feeling down, feeling, feeling frustrated uh, about our financial uh, movement, our progress, uh, our drive, this feeling of I can never actually feel satisfied. 
I can never actually feel satisfied with where I'm at, with what I have made. Not because I want a big boat or because we want big cars or because we want a massive house, whatever it is. There is just a drive. You know, once you're successful, whatever that means, there's this drive, especially in men, that just kind of never stops. But why haven't I done more? Why haven't I done better? I need to get back out there. And we were discussing this. And and as I say, it's been going over and over in my mind for the entire day. Is this a positive drive or is this a negative drive? Is this called ambition or is this called a self-fulfilling prophecy that I will never actually make it? I think that the answer really is, it depends on what the outcome is. Like so many things, we have to look at what a drive, what an action, what a thought process does for us. Depending on where it takes us is the answer of whether it's good for us or bad for us. So in other words, if someone feels down and out, feels frustrated, feels depressed, no matter how successful they are, And I'm talking today, I'm talking about success within business. I'm not talking about success within family, within spiritual realms. We're talking about the physical, what's in my bank account? What can I do to provide for my family? What even luxuries am I able to give to myself or my family? Let's just be real over here. We could all be spiritual monks and say that the truth is we don't want that. We can live in a tent and, uh, you know, herd goats our whole life or whatever it is. This sounds very, very cool. I think I'll do it sometime in my in my life. But we can we, we can say that, or we can also listen. Maybe I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm not speaking for myself. I also want to be able to provide for my family everything that they need before everything that they want, and then I want to be able to give them what I feel is right for them out of what they want. So maybe that yacht that you know they want or the truth is I want right is not really a, a something we should be striving for but I want to be able to at least do it if I choose to do that if that's where I choose to spend my money I want to be able to have enough money to do it right that's what I'm talking about I'm not talking about you know those uh, those emotional or spiritual strivings I'm talking about cash okay I'm talking about cash how much money we want to give to charity I want to be able to write a check for however much, whenever much I want. I don't want to be able, you know, do you know how many people from charities in Israel call my phone asking me for donations? I want to be able to say, of course, let's look into your charity. If it's a good charity, if you do the right thing with your money, let's go. I'll give you everything that you need. So it depends what this drive does to us. Why? Because many men allow this drive to drive us down, to put us down. We will never succeed. We are not providing. I am frustrated. I am depressed. I am sad about the fact that I have not reached that level of satisfaction. That is bad. That's really bad news. Because not only does it affect us, but it affects our family as well. I know when I, when I, yesterday, we had, I had this exact 
exact uh, example. All right, we are moving house. We're being forced to move our house. Our house is actually being destroyed. Right, so the house that we are moving in into is a small little thing. It's called a caravilla. It's it's like it's a caravan, but actually on the ground. Okay, and I thank God the fact that we are we are getting it, but we're still renting. We still haven't bought our house, our home. Right, but and and the cupboards that are being put in the kitchen. There's not enough. We literally need more cupboards. So I want to be able to say to my wife, yes, let's go, let's buy cupboards. We don't have to spend millions of shekel on it. I want to be able to provide for her. So we went shopping in this place called IKEA. I think it's all around the world, right? And we got a price and I almost fainted. I'm like, I, I can't afford that. I want to. I want to be able to say, my love, whatever color, whatever design you want, this is something that is important to you, how our kitchen looks. You provide amazing food for our family. You work so hard. I want to be able to give her what she wants, but I couldn't. So what do I do with that frustration? Do I come home and I snap at the kids and I snap at my wife because I'm so frustrated and I hate God and he's not giving me the opportunities and why was, why was I born into a divorced family? Why wasn't I born into a family with lots of money? Blah, 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 blah. Hate the world and myself. Or do I turn around and do I let that fire me up to work harder? to learn more, to strategize better, to look for the opportunities that God is giving me, to step out there in faith. All of these, does it fire me up so that I, uh, so that I drive myself forward, work harder, obviously maintaining my family and, and business work balance, right? But I work harder and work more focused and make sure that I get to the goals that I've set so that I can afford those few kitchen cupboards that my wife needs or wants. What does this feeling do to us, for us? That's going to be the answer. I know for myself what happens is very often for an hour or two, I feel annoyed at myself, I feel frustrated. And, and let me tell you, I was a teacher since the age of 14. I've been in front of a classroom in one way or another, right? And being a, a, a religious leader, a, a classroom teacher is not a great financial decision. You're, you're serving the community. That's what you're doing. And unfortunately, many communities take advantage of that. Well, you should be humble. You don't need that much money. You're a teacher. In society in general, let alone in the religious world, teachers are not worth, in inverted commas, enough. They are, they, are, they are teaching the next generation and we give them like just above minimal wage. What is that? But that, anyway, that's another podcast, right? So a few years ago, I got sick of it. I gangsted it up and I'm like, that's it. I'm doing something that will provide for my family in a way that I've never been able to provide for, for, before. And thank God we are in a better financial uh, situation than we have ever, ever been. We are clever with our money. I have money that I can afford uh, our, our needs rather than going into the red every month. You know, we can go on a little holiday in summer or whatever it is, but I have a drive that I want more. I want more so that for all of those reasons that I said to you before. So what normally happens to me is I get annoyed, I get frustrated for an hour or two, I take a deep breath, spend some time with my kids, my wife, and I'm out of that, I'm out of that problem 
place. And then I come back the next day and I've got such a drive, such a huge drive to succeed. I think this is a really important discussion for men to have. I think this is a really important discussion for men to share. And yes, there are women who work and have massive drive to succeed. That's, I, I'm not disrespecting that, but I'm talking to the men right now. What reaction do you, first of all, do you have this feeling? Do you have this feeling, this reaction of not providing enough, not having enough, not succeeding enough in your financial realms, whether that's just to provide the needs or also the wants for yourself, for your family, for the world? Do you, number one, do you have that feeling? Number two, if you do, what response do you have to it? Does it push you down? Does it make you feel like an inferior person, like not enough of a man? Or do you man up and allow it to push you forward, inspire you to succeed to greater heights? Or like me, do you have both? I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear this. This is something the men need to be talking about. We're going to make this a discussion around leader of the pack. This is this is the stuff, some of the stuff we really need to support each other on as men. Anyway, that's enough for me on this podcast. Let me know your feelings. Let me know your reactions to this feeling. Do you have this feeling? Do you have advice for other men? How do you make it through this really destructive feeling? This destructive mindset that maybe we're not good enough, we're not providing enough, we're not man enough, we don't have enough skill set or, or intellect or whatever it is. Can't wait to hear your feedback. Email me, ravnatana at gmail.com. You can uh, be on my website, ravnatan.com. But these discussions, these uh, comments, put up on Facebook, on the Ravnatan Facebook. Love to hear from you. God bless you all.